All right, so let's get back to Acts chapter 4 now. That's what we're going to look at today. Acts chapter 4, we're in lesson 8. And we're going to see that the, the oppression begins. All right? The oppression begins. So up at this, up until this point, they pretty much have been left alone. Would everybody agree with that? After Jesus' death, they basically, you know, the, the thinking of the leadership at that point is, the Jewish leadership is, okay, we got rid of the main guy, the other ones will scatter. So up until this point, they're really not bothered by the disciples. Yeah, you say, well, Acts chapter 2 happened. Well, this is just a few days after Acts chapter 2, okay? This incident that happened. Remember, the last time they were entering into the temple, they, in the name of Jesus, healed a guy who had been born lame. So chapter 4 continues on with that story. And what we're going to see is, is that the reaction is pretty swift. And you're going to see that the reaction is not because of the healing. Does everybody understand me? The reaction is not because of the healing. The reaction is because of what they're preaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reaction is because of what they're preaching. We're going to see that here right now. So look with me, verses 1 to 4. We're going to see that they're arrested. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the, pe taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men who came to be about 5,000. Wow. So this is a pretty significant event. And what we're going to see here, we're going to see a few things happening here that I think are pretty interesting. So first of all, we're going to notice the Sadducees' concern. The Sadducees were extremely bothered that they preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just kind of remind you who the Sadducees are. They were kind of a... I wouldn't call them a political party, although they were political. Uh, but they were kind of a group of, an organized group within Judaism. They were made mostly of chief priests, elders, aristocrats, the higher level people of society. Now the interesting thing was is that they held a very strict belief concerning the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. But they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Do you understand? They held to the observance of the law, and you would, yeah, rightfully so. They're mostly priests, right? Okay. But they didn't believe in a resurrection of the dead. So they're coming along, and they hear this big commotion, and they see the guys healed. And what they're bothered by, notice the text says what they're bothered by Two things that bother them. Number one, they're preaching Jesus, but not just that they're preaching Jesus, but that they're preaching that Jesus was what? Resurrected. So that's like a double whammy. Number one, they got a problem with Jesus because they're helped get rid of him. And number two, now these people are saying Jesus is alive. He raised from the dead. They don't believe that. Okay? They don't believe that. So they're upset. 
So they had the apostles arrested by the temple guards and put in jail overnight. So this is towards the evening. Remember, we know from chapter 3 that they were in the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So this is the the ninth hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, towards the evening sacrifice. So so it's possible, yeah. So when they get arrested, it could be 5 o'clock, could be 6, all right? And because Peter's preaching, they're ministering, they're upset with the message. They throw him in jail overnight because they got to make a decision about him. But it's too late. It's not like our court system now where you drag a magistrate out of bed to come and arraign you at the county court, at the county jail. Do you understand? It's not, that doesn't work this way. All right. So <clears throat> they have to wait till the next day. So they throw him in jail. Luke records that about 5,000 people believed because of Peter's word. Now that's amazing to me. 5,000 people believed because of Peter's word, because of seeing the testimony of the guy being made whole and the accompanying message of Peter. 5,000 people believe. Now, again, I want you to realize, just so you don't think, why, why are we seeing that today? Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're talking about a group of people who were already prepared in their mind with what? The scriptures. We live in a culture today where people have no preparation as far as what? The scriptures, the Bible, okay? Because, in fact, there's a lot of young people who have no understanding of the Bible whatsoever. I saw a hand here. This is after the ascension, okay? This is Jesus, this is 50, 50 plus days after, okay? 50 plus days, yes. Okay, go ahead. It says 5,000 men. They typically, can I be honest with you, patriarchal society. Okay, don't get offended, ladies. All right, all right. Don't get offended. But they're a patriarchal society. As with the Gospels, you notice that they say that there were Jesus fed 5,000. It's actually probably more than that because it says 5,000 men. There were women there. They just didn't count them. In their culture, women were insignificant. Okay? Just being telling you the truth. I mean, women could not own property. Do you understand what I'm saying? Women were insignificant. It's like that in a lot of places in the world today. Okay? You know, that's just terrible. Well, I'm just telling you that's the way it is. Okay? That's just the way it is. So they, 5,000 men, probably more. Okay? Probably more. And, and if you think that they didn't think that women were significant, they really thought children were really insignificant. That didn't really matter. Okay? So, patriarchal system. Now, let's go on. Verses 5 through 22, we're going to talk about them being before the Sanhedrin. So I'll explain to you what the Sanhedrin is here in a moment. Okay? Let's look with us. Verse 5, And it came to pass that on the next day, that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in their midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
said to them, rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if this day we if we this day are judged for good for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead by him this man stands here before you whole this is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone. For there is no salvation in any other. For there is no other name upon under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Seeing the man who had been healed standing before them, they could not say they could say nothing against it. But they had but when they commanded but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed that is a notable miracle that has been done through them, is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. And so that it spread no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. So... When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of, the peop because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old of whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Okay, so the oppression begins. Let's look here. Sanhedrin. First of all, what is the Sanhedrin? Well, we know that the Romans are in charge. The Romans would be in charge, but they'd like to have local people be in charge as well. The only thing the Romans could not do, would not allow, is to allow whoever the local people are to have the power of the sword. What does that mean? Only the Romans could execute a judgment of, of death. Nobody else had that right, period. Okay, Nobody else had that right to do that. But they allowed the what is, you know, they kind of allowed a council to exist, and it was made up of high priests, it was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, it was made up of the upper crust of the community and the leaders of the community, and they sat in council and they made a lot of decisions concerning how things ran and how things were supposed to go, and that was called the Sanhedrin. They met in Jerusalem. And we know from Scripture that we know of a couple of other men who in the Gospels were a part of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus was a part of the Sanhedrin. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea was part of the Sanhedrin. Do you understand? They were considered elders of the people. So they're sitting and conferring. They're to pass judgment, especially in areas of religion. So the next day, the ruling council and the high priest gathered in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to notice real quick, look with me at verse 6, that 
it makes a point here to say that Annas the high priest and Caiaphas. Now here's the one thing. Jews, when they selected their high priests, selected them for life. Now here's the problem. The Romans didn't select anybody for life. They like to move things around. They don't like anybody having power. So they allowed one guy to be high priest, and then they would choose somebody else probably from his family or whoever paid the most money to the Romans to be the next high priest. Does everybody understand? So at this point, Annas is the high priest. His his son-in-law, or Caiaphas, is there as well. He's not the high priest. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I want everybody to understand, when we talk about high priests in this time, they are not of the sons of Aaron. What? I thought the high priest was supposed to be of the son of Aaron. They are not from the sons of Aaron. They might be Levites. They might be from the tribe of Levi, but they are not the traditional high priest. What do you mean? Well, remember, between the Old and New Testament is 400 silent years. We call them silent because the Bible doesn't really say much about them. But that's called the intertestamental period. Well, during that time was the Maccabean Revolt. And the Maccabean Revolt was against the Greeks, and for a time, Israel had its own independence, and they reestablished the priesthood. But when they reestablished the priesthood, they didn't reestablish the priesthood based upon the Old Testament Levitical laws, meaning a son of Aaron. They chose a high priest, and it was the Hasmonean kings who chose the high priest. Well, when the Romans took over, and even under King Herod, it was basically an office that was open to whoever had the most money at the time. Do you understand? They were Jews, could very well have been from the pre-line of Levi, but they weren't from the line of Aaron. So don't think of this in terms of being the sons of Aaron. Do you understand? Don't think of that in terms of that. So this is a different messed up system that's going on here. All right? This is a different messed up system. So verse 5 through 6, the next day, they're gathered together. All right? The council demanded to know by what authority and a power did this healing take place. So this is... It's not a weird, you would look at it and say, well, really, what kind of a crazy question is that? They healed a guy. No, it's got, a, it's got every kind of question here. These are the religious authorities. They want to know, who are you doing this in whose name? You're not just doing this. Whose name are you doing it in? Who gave you the authority to do this? All right? Legitimate question. All right? Sounds crazy to us, but it's legitimate. They want to know, who are you, whose authority you're doing it in? So Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and addressed the council. I think this is significant. You and I need to grasp here. You ever, you ever worried about sharing your faith with somebody and wanting to make sure you've got the right answers and all of that? You ever, you ever feel that way when you share your faith? Okay, that's only natural. Here's what I want you to understand. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to prepare yourself. But you're going to come into situations where, on the spare of the moment, you're going to get coldly caught off guard. And you're not going to know how to answer people. What we see here is that it's a fulfillment of what Jesus told them. You're going to stand before kings. You're going to stand before rulers. And, and he will give you the words. He will give you understanding. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. So here we are. We see Peter. He's before the rulers of Israel. 
They're asking a question, who are you doing this in whose name? And here, what happens? He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he answers them. Do you understand? It's God who gives him the ability to respond. So, so Peter points out that they are being judged for a good deed done to a lame man. First thing he says is, you know what? Hey, guys, you're judging us for something that we did to a guy who's been laid up for a while. You're, you're judging us for a good deed. Okay? A good deed. Then he points out, he states that the man was healed in the name of Jesus, whom they rejected and killed. Now, this is the bombshell. So at first he's like, hey, you're judging us for something we did that was good. And everybody can say, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. And we did it in the name of Jesus, whom you killed. Boom. Okay, so like that changes the whole conversation. All right? That changes the whole conversation. So he's pointing out to them that this was done in the name of Jesus. And do you know, do you think they believe that Jesus did miracles? Yeah, of course. So now it's almost like we're, this Jesus thing's back. Do you know what I'm saying? We're back. You thought you got rid of him, but we're here. All right? Now, here's the dilemma. The council faces a dilemma. First of all, the council noted that these uneducated men had been with Jesus. Now, now, you ever look at this and you wonder, how in the world did they figure out they were uneducated? How in the world did they figure that out? Pro, yeah, you're right. They, they opened their mouths and spoke. So they're from Galilee. They're not cultured. And, if, and since they're not cultured or educated... How are they going to talk? You think they use the word ain't? Do you know what I'm saying? How are they going to talk? They're going to talk with slang. They're going to talk ignorantly. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are cultured people that they're talking to. These are the aristocrats of the, of the nation. Do you understand what I'm saying? You ever been in that kind of situation? You ever been in that kind of situation where you walk into a room and you realize real quick you're the country mouse in the city? Do you know what I'm saying? You're the country mouse in the city because you can't relate to them and they sure can't relate to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So these folks, these leaders, realize that these are some ignorant fishermen we're talking to here, but they noticed one thing that was an exception for them. What was that? Look at what it says. Yeah, they, were with, they, they noted that they were, had been with Jesus. Okay, they noted, yeah, these are uneducated men. Just listen to the way they talk, but listen to what they're saying. Because what they're saying is because of who they've been with. They've been with Jesus. Okay? They've been with Jesus. So, they also knew something else. The council knew that the lame man had been healed. Remember I told you, the passage tells us this guy's over 40 years old. At some point, he had be, his family laid him at that gate, and he was at that gate. Let's say he got put there at 12. He's been at that gate for 30 years. So if you're going, if you're, especially if you're a high priest, and if you're a priest working in the temple, do you think you know that for 30 years there's been this lame guy out by the beautiful gate? 
and you've seen him, he's probably asked you what the weather's like. I mean, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You know, it, they, and they, now this guy's up and around, jumping, hopping, you know, they know there's a miracle that's taking place, okay? So they, they, so they know, not just that these guys have been with Jesus, but they know that the lame man has been healed. The dude out by the beautiful gate has been healed. So the council wrestled. So they, they tell everybody, get him out of here. We've got to make a decision. Get out of here. They put him outside. And so the council wrestled with what to do with the apostles in light of the miracle. Because they got a dilemma now. We can't get rid of these dudes because they're preaching this Jesus thing. We thought we were getting rid of this. They've got a miracle, and every do you think everybody in town knows about the miracle? Yeah, they know about the miracle. Because the center of life in Jerusalem was the temple. Okay? Word gets out, the lame guy by the beautiful gates walking... And it's some followers of Jesus. And think about this. 5,000 men believe? That's twice the population of Kerwinsville. Okay? That's a significant number of people. So they got a dilemma now. The dilemma is, what do we do about this? Because we can't not, we can't excuse away this miracle. Like if it was just a guy who, Maybe he was lame for a week or something. You could say, oh, he was been faking it, whatever. But you're talking about a person who's been laying there for 30 years. He's been lame from birth. Everybody knows him. And we can't excuse this away. So they wrestled what to do. So here's what they decided to do. They decided to stop the gospel spread by commanding the apostles to stop preaching. That's smart. All right, you guys are no longer to talk about this. No longer are you allowed to talk about this. How does that do? You ever had anybody tell you, you can't talk about this anymore? That doesn't stop you, okay? Here's what Peter says. The apostles informed the council that they could only share what they had seen and heard. Hey, we're only sharing what we know. Jesus is alive. We saw him. We touched him. We felt him. We talked with him. We ate with him. We're only sharing what we know. So then here's what happens. After threatening them, so at this point they're not getting beaten, all right? After threatening them, the apostles were released because of the healing of the lame man. After threatening them, the apostles were released. You know, you, you got you to gotta be, a, it's amazing, God, how he does things. You know what I'm saying? God moves Peter to heal not just any lame guy. Do you think there were other lame people around the temple claiming alms? Do you think there were other people begging for alms outside the temple? Okay. I think it's amazing that God in his sovereignty moves Peter to look at the guy who's been there for 30 plus years. That everybody knows. Why? Why? Because God knew they were going to get oppressed. And God makes foolish the rulers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it just sounds silly. You can't talk about this anymore. Really? I don't have to. Look, the dude's walking around. You know? God, in his sovereignty, shows himself to be mighty. Okay. 
Next week, we're going to look at a bold church. So this causes the church to be bold now. All right, stop for a moment. Think about that. If the authorities came down heavy on you, told you to stop doing it, how many of you would stop doing it? Okay. How many of you would be like, I'm going to do it. Are we going to get bold about it? They're going to get bold. This is a God thing. 